Welcome to the Theological Touchpoints Podcast. I'm Julian. The focus for this episode is Foundations, Theology for the Everyday Anabaptist. Quote, we seek justification in the righteous and crucified Christ Jesus alone. End quote. Can you guess who penned these words? You may think this sounds like a Protestant affirmation of justification by faith alone, but it was actually written by Menno Simons, one of the foremost early Anabaptist writers. He here says that justification is a part of the gospel, and that it is found in Christ alone. While we often associate justification with Reformed doctrine, I believe it's correct to conclude that the early Anabaptists accepted justification as an essential gospel doctrine, too. This statement by Menno shows us that justification was a significant part of the gospel in his mind. Not only that, he believed that it is ours by grace alone. That is, it comes to us through Christ and not through works. Christ alone saves. Again, he says, we seek justification in the righteous and crucified Christ Jesus alone. Justification is a Christian doctrine. By that, I mean that justification is an essential tenet of the Christian faith. Without justification, we have no Christianity. It really is the answer to the question at the center of the gospel, how can sinners be reconciled to a righteous God? The Bible teaches that Adam and Eve were created pure and good in the Garden of Eden. But they, in their sin against God, brought death to all men. Sin separated all mankind from God. All of us, since Adam and Eve, are born sinners, and if we are left to ourselves, we will earn our rightful place in the eternal death of hell. Sinners anticipate nothing in the presence of a holy God except righteous judgment. How then can sinners be reconciled to God? This question is answered in the gospel, and specifically in the person of Jesus Christ. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. By his merit, we can be considered righteous and worthy to enter into a restored relationship with our Creator, God. This is the doctrine of justification, sinners counted righteous in Christ. When we believe on Christ, we are clothed in his righteousness, righteousness that is not our own but is given to us through faith in Christ. To be a Christian is to believe in the doctrine of justification. Christianity is nothing without justification. The gospel is primarily a story of sinful man's reconciliation to God, reconciliation that is only possible if the sinner is rescued from his sin and made righteous. That we are justified is essential to the gospel. But there's a question that Christians have not always answered the same way. How are we justified? Again, the Bible clearly presents this doctrine of justification, that sinners must be made righteous in order to be reconciled to God. But the question, how are we justified, has not always been answered by Christians the same way. Are all men justified by divine decree, or are there conditions? The Bible says we are justified by faith. But what does that entail? Are we justified by faith alone? By faith alone? and works, or maybe by a faith that works? To think rightly about this, we first need to think about the term salvation as compared to the term justification. Salvation is used in scripture in a variety of tenses, past, present, and future. With this in mind, we understand that salvation encompasses the entire process of our rescue from sin. Salvation includes everything God does to make sinners righteous— justification, sanctification, and glorification. He has saved us from sin. 
He is saving us from sin. He will save us from sin. All of these concepts are included in the biblical concept of salvation, being saved from sin. Or to put this in the positive, he has made us righteous, he is making us righteous, and he will make us righteous. Salvation is a broad term encompassing every part of the gospel. Justification speaks of just one component of salvation. It speaks of the initial declaration of God that we are righteous. He has saved us from sin. He has made us righteous. This justification, the Bible says, is ours by faith and not by works. That works don't contribute to saving faith is made clear in multiple scriptures. Genesis 15, Romans 3-5, Galatians 2, Ephesians 2, Philippians 3, Luke 18, and others. I plan to look at a few of these more closely in future episodes. But for now, we're looking just in summary fashion and concluding the Bible teaches that justification is by faith and not by works. Justification rests entirely on the finished work of Christ and is received by faith alone. So again, the statement from Menno Simons, we seek justification in the righteous and crucified Christ Jesus alone. Christ alone can make us righteous, can justify us, and we are justified by faith in him. And that is a faith apart from works. So that's what we mean by faith alone, faith in Christ alone, not in Christ and in ourselves, but in Christ alone. What then is experienced when we are justified? Certainly our sin is put away and we are covered in Christ's righteousness as with a garment. We are restored to God. But there's really a lot more going on in justification than simply being clothed in Christ's righteousness. Menno has this to say of the grace of justification. God forgives sinners all their sins, has compassion on their human shortcomings and weaknesses. He turns them from the curse, wrath, and eternal death. He accepts them as his beloved children and grants them Christ Jesus together with all his merits, fastings, prayers, tears, sufferings, pain, cross, blood, and death. Besides this, he grants also his spirit, inheritance, kingdom, glory, joy, and life. All these things given to us when God saves us and makes us righteous. So all these things that are ours in Christ, but scripture does emphasize that we are declared righteous in Christ. We are clothed with Christ's righteousness. To use the language of Romans 4, justification means that the one who believes on Christ is accounted righteous before God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It was put on his account that he was righteous. This term accounted speaks of a reckoning, of a recording in a divine ledger, of a marking in the book of life. It's not focused on who we are existentially, but on how God sees us. We are in Christ, clothed in his righteousness. Our works contribute nothing to our righteousness in Christ. That does not mean, however, that being a Christian has nothing to do with obedience. Rather, that justification, our standing before God, is established upon Christ's righteousness and not our own. My best work does not add to that righteousness, and my worst sin does not subtract from it, provided that I continue in Christ. This doctrine that our righteousness is in Christ and not in ourselves is no comfort for those who give themselves over to sin. 
For it's clear to all that they are not in Christ if they are living contrary to his will. This promise that those who are in Christ are righteous in him and not in themselves is not an encouragement to go sin. Those who conclude that they are righteous in Christ and can therefore go do whatever they want are advertising to all that they are not truly in Christ. But for those who are in Christ, who continue in faith in him, they are righteous only and entirely in Christ. This is justification by faith alone. It's thought by some that justification by faith alone is a Reformed doctrine. The title of this podcast touches on that very issue. Is justification a Reformed doctrine? Well, of course it is. If you're familiar with Reformed or Protestant teaching, you know that all good Reformers emphasize justification. But the real question is, is justification by faith alone exclusively a Reformed doctrine? That is, did the Anabaptists believe in justification by faith alone, or were the Reformers alone in that view? We're going to spend a few episodes on this one, answering both the question of what the Anabaptists believed and the question of what the Bible teaches about justification. So it's sometimes thought that the Reformers believed in justification without works, Catholics believe in justification by works, and Anabaptists believe in justification by faith and works. Actually, this is a misunderstanding of all three views. Bible-based Protestantism has typically affirmed justification by faith alone, while also holding that true faith bears fruit. Now, it is true that many who are associated with Protestantism or with broader evangelicalism have misconstrued justification, but that represents a departure from historic Protestant understanding. It's also true that there's often been an imbalance in Protestant teaching wherein justification is emphasized while sanctification is overlooked. But it's incorrect to think that this imbalance represents a rejection of works in the Protestant salvation schema. Calvin, for example, said, I confess that we are destitute of this incomparable blessing, that is of justification, we are not justified, till Christ becomes ours. Being made ours, he makes us partakers of the blessing with which he is furnished. We do not then contemplate him at a distance out of ourselves, that his righteousness may be imputed to us, but because we have put him on and are engrafted into his body, and because he has deigned to unite him to himself, Therefore, we glory in a participation of his righteousness. Calvin is here saying that we are only justified if we are in Christ, and to be in Christ is also to live under his lordship and according to his commands. If we are in Christ, then we have this blessing of justification, but justification is not experienced by any who are not in Christ and who have not experienced the full life transformation of the gospel. Luther said something similar. He said, Christ is God's grace, mercy, wisdom, strength, comfort, and blessedness. I say not that he gives righteousness and remains without, that means remains outside of us, for in that case, righteousness is dead, nay, it is never given. Christ is there himself, that is, he's in the believer, Christ himself is in the believer, like the light and heat of the fire, which do not exist where the sun and the fire are not. So if Christ is present, there is light, there is heat, he says. There is this power to live differently. When Christ is in us, we are not just declared righteous, justified, but we are also empowered to live righteous lives. 
So for these reformers, to be in Christ is to have life. To have life is to bear fruit. It is correct historically to recognize that the reformers mainly failed to follow the logic of the gospel all the way through, but that doesn't mean they were incorrect regarding justification, nor does it mean that they rejected sanctification as an essential part of Christian life. So, certainly differences between their understanding and the Anabaptist understanding, or at least differences in emphasis, but it's not correct to say that the Reformers, at least those who were Bible-minded Christians, to say that they believed that you're justified by faith alone, and now you can go live however you want. So, that's the Reformers. What about the Catholics? It's sometimes thought of the Catholics that they believe in justification by works. But Catholic dogma does not affirm justification by works, but justification by faith. The distinction between the Catholic view and the Reformed view is the Catholics do not believe in justification by faith alone, at least not the same way the Reformers believed in justification by faith alone. The Catholics emphasize works as the exercise of faith or the means to grace. That is, grace, which is ours in Christ alone, they would say, This grace is accessed when they participate in the sacraments. But even in the Catholic schema, grace is made available only through Christ. That's not to say they are correct in their view. They do, in effect, make works essential to justification. I believe it's correct to say the Catholic view believes justification is available by grace and received by faith, but that faith is exercised in participation in the sacraments. That is, one doesn't receive the benefits of grace until one does works. But Catholic dogma would typically reject the idea that salvation is by works. It's by grace, which is given to us, appropriated by works. So, on the one hand, we understand this does make works a requirement for justification and not just a product of it, which makes their understanding different than the Anabaptist and the Reformed understanding, but we do well to take them on their own terms and not ascribe to them something they don't actually believe. And again, Catholic dogma would say we're saved by grace, through faith, that faith is exercised in, and it is in doing the works that we receive the grace made available to us in Christ. What about the Anabaptists? Is it correct to think that the Anabaptists held to justification by faith and works? The Anabaptist movement has, from its inception, been known for its emphasis on life transformation as an essential part of the gospel. They have understood that where there are no works, there is no true faith. This is, in fact, distinct from the Reform emphasis. As Leonard Verdun points out in his book, The Reformers and Their Stepchildren, With the Reformers, there is indeed an imbalance between the forensic and the moral, between salvation as pardon and salvation as renewal. Against this imbalance, the stepchildren, that is, the Anabaptists, braced themselves from the very first, and it was this different orientation that made them feel less than happy in the parade headed by Luther. And Verdun in that book traces how Luther early on emphasized the need for life change but later on dropped that emphasis for pragmatic reasons. And it's at that point that the Anabaptists departed from Luther and the movement that he was a part of. Prominent Anabaptists such as Menno Simons emphasized that works are essential to all true faith. That is, all believers also obey Christ's commands, or put differently, those who don't obey Christ's commands aren't true believers. 
He is consistent and clear. Those who are in Christ are those who do good works. This is the emphasis both of the Anabaptists and of Scripture, that faith without works is dead. Does this emphasis mean that the Anabaptists rejected the justification by faith alone doctrine of the Reformers? No. There is essential agreement between the two regarding justification. The distinction is when we move outward from that doctrine. The Reformers largely failed to emphasize other components of salvation, regeneration, being filled with the Spirit, being sanctified, and they minimized the necessity of works as the demonstration of true faith. The Anabaptists consistently emphasized that works are necessary as the demonstration of true faith, but never as essential to it. We'll explore that more as we continue. What did the early Anabaptists believe regarding justification? I believe it's correct to say they believed in justification by faith alone. Menno says, It should be far from us that we should comfort ourselves with anything but the grace of God through Christ. For he it is, and he alone, and none other, who has perfectly fulfilled the righteousness required by God. Notice his emphasis on Christ as the only one who can make us righteous. Christ alone also means faith alone alone. If our confidence is in anything other than Christ alone, we no longer have faith in Christ alone, but have faith both in Christ and in ourselves, or whatever it is outside of Christ we are putting our confidence in. Faith alone is seen in the confession that Christ alone can save, and we add nothing to that. Menno says, our righteousness is in Christ alone. He is the only one who has fulfilled the righteousness required by God. Christ alone can save, our faith is in him. So, it's not so much the Reformed doctrine is incorrect. Rather, it is incomplete. Justification is indeed by faith alone, but true faith is never alone. It is accompanied by works. This is the Anabaptist emphasis, this was Menno's emphasis. Yet, it is crucial for us to understand that those works flow out of true faith and are not essential to it. That is, works must not be thought of as a part of true faith, but rather as evidence of true faith. And so Menno says, Whoever disobeys and opposes the voice of the Lord commanding these ceremonies, he's speaking here of baptism, whoever disobeys the command of the Lord to be baptized— and despises the performance of them because of their uselessness or triviality, not observing that it was commanded by God, excludes himself from the previous covenant of grace by his disobedience. Neither does he prove his faith to be fruitful and living, but on the contrary, he proves that it is unfruitful and dead before God. For he obeys not the voice of his Lord, does not live it, but despises it as powerless, vain, and useless. So what he's saying here is, The one who professes faith but simultaneously disobeys the command of God is excluded from the covenant of grace. But how does he explain that? He says this person has proven that his faith is not fruitful and living, but has instead proven that it is unfruitful and dead before God. His action, his disobedience, demonstrates that he does not possess faith. That action, that obedience, is not what produces faith, nor is it essential to faith, but it is evidence that faith is genuine. Menno also says, whoever does not walk according to his doctrine, that is the doctrine of Christ, 
proves, in fact, that he does not believe on him or know him and that he is not in the communion of the saints. So notice his particular language here. Faith is not enacted in works, nor is it made genuine by works, but rather it is proven genuine when it demonstrates itself in works. Menno recognized the biblical emphasis on life transformation alongside justification and consistently emphasized that true faith is borne out in works. So if faith is genuine, it will produce works. But he and other early Anabaptists are sometimes understood to say something they didn't believe. Some mistake his emphasis to mean that we are not saved unless we are producing works. But that's actually to misunderstand their view and the teaching of Scripture. They do not say we are not saved unless we are producing works. Rather, they taught that saving faith will go on to produce. To say that we are not saved until we produce works makes works essential to our justification. And that compromises the righteousness that is ours in Christ alone. If it's all of Christ, if it's all of grace, our works cannot be a condition for our experience of that righteousness. Even faith itself is the confession that I have nothing to offer. Christ alone justifies. Christ alone saves us. They taught that saving faith will go on to produce works. That is, if somebody has experienced the transformation of the gospel, has been justified, has been filled with the Spirit, has been born again, that person will go on to produce works. Or as Jesus teaches, you know whether or not somebody is genuine by their fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. Or he says in John 15 that we can't bear fruit unless we abide in him. We don't bear fruit in order to abide in him. But if we are in him, we have life. If we have life, we bear fruit. The logic of the gospel is we are engrafted into Christ by grace alone. Not grace and works. We receive that grace by faith, not by faith and works. But if we are in Christ, then we have life. To be connected to the vine is to participate in the life of the vine. And if we have life, we have fruit. So the fruit is not what gets us into the vine, nor is the fruit what keeps us in the vine. Rather, the fruit is continually demonstrating that we have life and that life is ours because we are in the vine. And this was the understanding of the early Anabaptists. Saving faith will go on to produce works. If works don't follow, it's obvious to all that faith is also absent. Valerius, a Dutch schoolmaster and an Anabaptist, said, If we sought or placed our salvation in our good works or our sufferings, we should commit idolatry. But now our salvation depends only on the mercy of God and not on our running and following after. He's here saying that our salvation does not depend on our obedience to God, nor on our suffering for Him. Rather, it depends on God's mercy. He also touches on the misunderstanding that we are saved by faith but kept by works. He says our salvation does not depend on our running and following after. That is, it does not rest on our ongoing faithfulness. It rests on the mercy of God. And that mercy is given to us in Christ alone. So if our faith, if our confidence is in what we are doing, our good works, or what we are suffering for God, he says that's idolatry. But that's not salvation according to Scripture. Salvation depends on the mercy of God, and not on what I'm doing 
today, not my obedience to the Word of God. It rests upon the mercy of God alone. This is the clear teaching of Scripture. This is the consistent understanding of the Anabaptists as well. We will continue to explore these themes in future episodes. Next time, we'll take a closer look at different aspects of the Anabaptist view of justification. Moving forward after that, we'll also look at the biblical material touching justification and see what the Bible clearly says about this doctrine. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Touchpoints podcast. This podcast is a production of Sword and Trumpet Ministries. For more information, visit swordandtrumpet.org slash podcast or theologicaltouchpoints.com slash podcast. If you have thoughts or questions, you can contact us at podcast at theologicaltouchpoints.com. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it.